Six more days, that's right. All right, well, it's good to have you all here this morning. Um, we're having a few technical difficulties. For some reason, we can't get our screen to light up up there this morning. So um, I guess you're going to have to do your best to uh, guess at the words that we're singing and uh, at very least uh, hum along and make a joyful noise of some sort, I guess. <laughs> But uh, our praise to God, thankfully, is not dependent on technology. So it, is, it is helpful, but uh, our, our praise and worship is not dependent on technology, thankfully. So we'll roll with it here this morning and do the best we can. We do have uh, Christy's going to lead our uh, worship uh, this morning. So let's pray, and then I'll turn, turn the time over to her. Thank you, Father, for this time we have together this morning, for bringing us here together to worship you, to praise you, to hear from you, from your word. And I pray that you would meet with us here, that you would pour out your spirit and speak to each one of us. Father, you know the needs that are in each one of our lives. And I pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that those needs would be met this morning. So bless our time together and our fellowship. I pray that you would be honored and glorified. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
receive everything that you have for us. We adore you, Jesus. Yes, Father, we come to you this morning. We come to you to give you all the glory and all the praise. Father, I pray that it would be the heart's cry of each and every one here just to come into your presence and to adore you, to praise you for who you are and for all that you've done. Father, as we come into this Christmas season, I pray, Father, that it would be once again a, a reminder to each one of us of your love for us and the fact that you deserve all the glory for sending your son to this earth to become our salvation. I thank you that in sending your son, he didn't just come and remain a baby, but he grew, he lived. He died, was buried, and rose again to complete our salvation. And I pray that in this Christmas time, we would remember the whole story, not just simply the story of the birth. I pray again that you would be with us. I thank you, Father, for this beautiful time of worship and praise. And I pray that it was honor and that it brought honor and glory to your name. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We didn't need technology. Amen. That was beautiful. Thank you, Christy, for leading us. And uh, I felt that we were all just giving it everything we had in spite of not being able to see the words. It was still coming out of our hearts. All right. Uh, I think Sarah has a children's lesson, right? Where do you want? Where do you want them? Spill off? All right. Well, Lucas, you can stay there. <laughs> you can join the kids. <laughs> oh, you can go if you want to, but you're more than welcome to join the kids. You're still a kid, aren't you? You're not? Oh, man, I'm sorry. I misjudged you on that one. All right, feel, feel free to come join us. Actually, you, you might need to move back there by your dad because it's getting kind of full up here. But Sherry, come up here. Come on up. We can get some more chairs if we need to. here this morning. All right, this is great. Oh, I know, I'm missing them. Oh, man. Okay, we'll have to pray for them that they get better. And Blakey is sick this morning, too, so he's not with us either. So maybe before we start, let's just all pray that God would be with them and heal, heal them. Gives you a little bit more space. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you that you care so much for each little child and that you love them and you said, come to me, all you um, who are weary and heavy laden, and I pray for the little children who are sick this morning, God, that you would encourage their hearts, 
that they would be strengthened in you. I pray, God, for each one that they would feel your presence near this morning and you would touch them and heal them if it is your will. We love you, Jesus. Amen. All right. So, how many days until Christmas? Six. Six? You know, why do you guys like Christmas so much? Ooh, and what does that remind you of? Opening presents. Christmas? What does Christmas remind you of? Okay, yeah. Or that he was the gift to us, to this world, when he came as a baby, right? He was the ultimate gift. Um, so... Something that my sister Katie came up with, which is super fun, and I'm going to share it with you guys, is about the candy cane. How many of you guys like candy canes? Yeah? So there's a lot of different stories about how the candy cane came to be, but one story is that the maker was a Christian, and the white part, he said, represents um, Jesus washing our sins away. And he makes us white as snow. So let me see, I have a verse here. Um, where did it go? Is it, yes. A real one. Okay, the verse is um, in Isaiah 118. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, or like red, they shall be as white as snow, though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. So the guy that was making this, he put the white part in for um, our sins being washed white. Like Jesus, he is pure and holy. The red stripes, can anybody guess what the red stripes are for? Jesus' blood that he shed to cleanse us from all sin, right? Okay, so that one... There's lots of verses about that, but the one I like especially is in 1 Peter 2.6. It says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Or the one in Ephesians 2.20, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. So that represents what Jesus did for us, the white part, and then... Let's see. I think there's. Uh, oh, the shape. The shape of it. If you turn it upside down, what shape does it make? What letter is that? J. J, which can stand for? Jesus. Jesus. Right? And it also, if we flip it this way, it kind of looks like a shepherd's staff, which Jesus is the great shepherd, right? So now, every time you see a candy cane, what are you going to think about? Um, Jesus taking care of us? Yes, you're going to think about Jesus, right? Isn't that fun? I love it. I When my sister Katie found this, I thought it was just the neatest thing. I had never heard of that before. So she made one for each one of you guys. So you can come up. And get one on your way back.
Okay, it's actually super short this morning. That's the, the children's lesson. You can go back to your parents. That was very good. Amen? Never going to look at a candy cane the same anymore. Never thought a candy cane stood for Jesus. Lo and behold, Jesus is in the candy cane. He is everywhere, right? It's through him, to him, and for him, all things. Um, before we get the time over to Brother Matt to share the word, I just wanted to take a moment and... Bless the Lord with Brother Dean. Amen? Amen. God answered a prayer for you. Would you mind telling us about it? Well, God answered our prayers and returned the truck to me on Thursday. It was stolen Sunday and they found it Thursday. Called us, called Brother Tim. We went and got it. Didn't impound it. Still in one piece and uh, I'm so thankful. Amen. Thank you for your prayers. Those of you who were here last Sunday, you remember uh, Dean had, we had prayed because he had went out to start his truck on Sunday morning and went in for a cup of coffee to come to church. And the truck was gone when he came out. And that's a real bummer, right? I mean, uh, it, it's just, it's just you, you just, you feel robbed because you are robbed. And we prayed and asked the Lord specifically to bring that truck back in one piece to arrest the robber. And now we have one more prayer. And I want us all to join in on this prayer. Because I feel like it's the most important one. Trucks come and go. But that robber needs Jesus. He needs to find the Lord as his personal Savior. And let's pray this morning. That the Lord would give Dean and Tim. And anyone else who comes into his life. The opportunity to share the gospel with him. And he would be saved. He wouldn't need to rob anymore. We could live the rest of his life for Jesus. Father, we just thank you for answering our prayer last Sunday. As we together as your people called upon your name. And asked, Lord, that you would meet Dean's need, Lord. And bring the truck back to him. And you answered. Father, we come to you for even a more important request that we know. That is the desire of your heart. Because you told us that you don't want anyone to be lost, but you want all men to be saved. And so we pray according to your will. Please give us the opportunity, someone, Lord, the opportunity to share the gospel with this man. Father, as he's in prison, I pray that you would somehow, Lord, just, just give us the opportunity to, to, to go and, and lead him to, to you, Lord, and to share your word with him and, and to perhaps meet the needs in his life that is the reason he stole Father, we just lift him up before you. We don't know his name, but we know you know his name. You know where he is this morning. Would you, I pray, speak your eternal words of, your words of eternal life into his heart and draw him to yourself and deliver him from his sin and lead him to repentance and to faith in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Matt, you can come on up. Let's together pray with Brother Matt. As he shares the word of God to us. So those of you who don't know this brother. He uh, is a brother over at WCF in Windsor. Who uh, is, has just been a tremendous blessing in my life. And in those of us who have known him. 
And he has a, uh, has it been a year ago that you shared your testimony here with us? It's just a wonderful testimony of the Lord redeeming his life from the hand of the enemy and, and giving, putting him in him words of eternal life. And he gave him a sweet family, Marissa and the, and the kids. And so thank you for coming and sharing the word with us today. Father, we lift him up before you and we pray that you would anoint him with your words of eternal life. Lord, I pray that from his innermost being would flow rivers of living water that come straight from your throne, Father. You know each one of our needs, and I know that you have a word for us to prepare us, Lord, to walk in this world and put on the whole armor of God so that we may be able to withstand every fiery missile that comes our way this week to destroy our faith, to cripple us, Lord, in our, in our walk with you, to hinder our love for you and for each other. And I pray that today you would put a word in this dear brother's heart and, and also, Lord, just give him the grace and ability to open up your living word and feed us with your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me here. It's such a, a blessing to be able to preach the word and teach the word. Um, I don't typically title my messages, so I don't got a title for this one, but we are going to be in Isaiah 59. And so if y'all would like to turn to Isaiah 59 um, in verse 19. Praise God. So Isaiah 59, verse 19, I'm just going to read uh, the second half here. It says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. Uh, this text here is, is what I'll be taking up and expounding on. Uh, but before we get into that, I'd like to just talk briefly about the context of what's going on here in Isaiah 59. Uh, if we were to read through Isaiah 59, we see that Israel has fallen into gross sin and rebellion against God. Uh, I'm going to make a couple highlights here. In verse 2, it says, your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Then in verse 3, it says, hands defiled with blood, lips spoken lies, tongues have muttered perverseness. Verse 4 says that there's none that calls for justice, nor any that pleads for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. In verse 7 it says, Their feet run to do evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Then in verse 8, The way of peace they know not. There's no peace in the land. And between verses 9 and 15, uh, the Lord shows us these consequences for the sin in the land. And he says that there's no judgment. There's no justice. But as Isaiah uh, also says, he says that, that the men call good evil and evil good, right? That's exalted in the land. The, the ones that do right, they're the ones that are persecuted. The ones that do wrong, they're the ones that are exalted in society. And then I, I think it kind of climaxes here in verse 16. And there's something that, that, that's just so interesting. God, this is what God says. It says that he looks and he saw no man. And that means that he's looking upon the hearts of the men of Israel, upon this nation, 
And he sees no one righteous, no one who, who honors the law of God, the moral law that's written upon our hearts. There's none that's doing justice, none that's doing right. And then he says, and he wondered that there was no intercessor. It's always an interesting thing when God wonders. It's always something to bring forth when, when God sees something and he has wonder about it. Like, really? There's no man, there's no woman that will stand in the gap for this nation. And God wonders about that. And then we come to our, our text and, and uh, what I just read, Isaiah 59, 19, and um, the second half of the verse, the, the spirit, or when the enemy comes in like a flood, we see the enemy in the nation of Israel. He's come in like a flood. The spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. And we see in verse 20, immediately after this, it says, and the redeemer shall come to Zion and unto them that turn from transgression in Jacob, saith the Lord. And so this scripture was fulfilled when Christ came and dwelt among us. As we celebrate this Christmas season, we celebrate that God tabernacled with men, that God put on flesh and walked among us. Here, that's what this scripture is speaking of. But I also, what I'd like to hit on today and what we'll go into, I think there is a spiritual truth here in this scripture about when the enemy comes in like a flood, whether that's individually in our lives or whether that's in a culture in, in, at large, that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And so I'd like to ask four questions and answer those today. Uh, the four questions would be, who is the enemy? Second question would be, when and how does the enemy come in like a flood? Thirdly, what is the standard the Spirit of the Lord lifts up? And then finally, how is this standard lifted up? And so let's first tackle who is this enemy that comes in like a flood <clears throat> we know that we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities against rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places according to Ephesians 6.12 and so it's this spiritual dark kingdom that is the enemy of the children of light of, of the kingdom of God this is the enemy that has come against uh, Israel in this time, but also can come against nations and people uh, in this time. It's the kingdom of darkness. It's this, this kingdom that has been built, its foundations is upon lies and deception, upon violence and wickedness. And so it's this kingdom, um, both this spiritual kingdom, but there is an aspect where there are people, there is flesh and blood who have entered into this kingdom and have either willingly or unwillingly began to labor for this kingdom to overthrow the kingdom of God. And so you can see that some people willingly will serve Satan. They willingly know what they're doing is wicked and unrighteous and against the laws of God, against that perfect and just kingdom that God has created and established here in this world. But then there's many that are deceived. There's many that they say, you know what, I, I, I'm not going to serve God. Maybe I don't believe in, in, in God and I don't believe in his son Jesus, but I'm a pretty good person. I'll do, I'll, you know, I, I, I do good. I don't, I'm not going to serve Satan. I'm not a wicked person. Well, Satan has crept in and unwillingly they are serving him. He has deceived them. And they are also part of this dark kingdom, this enemy that has come in. And so we've identified the enemy. 
And now, let's ask the question, when and how does this enemy come in like a flood? When and how does he come in? Firstly, he comes in when the church takes its guard down against sin. And I'm going to speak on many things, and I'll I'll talk about the church, but I also want to apply this personally. And so when the church takes its guard down against sin, but also when, when we, when you take your guard down against sin, it allows for the enemy to come in. Not as a flood, but it will... Get the, uh, it will bring forth the opportunity for him to come in like a flood. And so when we begin to allow worldliness into the sanctuary of the Lord, we, we consider this the sanctuary here of the Lord. Uh, when worldly conversations are what fill our minds and hearts and uh, our lips are filled with uh, worldly endeavors in the sanctuary of God where, where sin maybe is neglected in the sanctuary, but also in the sanctuaries of our hearts when sin begins to creep in and it's not fought against, it's not pushed back. But as the walls of Nehemiah were broken down, as uh, the enemy had come in and destroyed the city of Jerusalem and, and the walls were broken down, the walls must be built up. And if they're not built up, if they're not repaired, if they're not restored, because the enemy will come in, right? We are in a, a real battle There's a real warfare uh, between two different kingdoms right now. And the enemy will attack. He will make damage, right? But it's the Christian's duty to have that tool as in Nehemiah's day. The Israelites had their tool and they had their sword in the other hand. And they would repair those breaches. But the enemy is allowed to come in like a flood when those those breaches are not repaired. When they're neglected. When the standard of holiness and righteousness, which is not an outward appearance, holiness, true holiness, is a state of the heart. True holiness outflows from the heart. And so when the standard of holiness is, is brought down or the, uh, the, the normal Christian life is brought low. See, when we look at the book of Hebrews and we read in the 13th chapter there, Many of us would would say that's the the chapter of the heroes of the faith, these big and mighty people who did great works for God. But this is the the normal Christian life. Sometimes we'll look at missionaries and great men and women of the faith, maybe the Amy Carmichaels, and we'll we'll see the uh, John Wesleys, and we'll see the George Whitfields, and we say, oh, these were great heroes. But they just lived the normal Christian life. And so when we begin to bring down this normal Christian life, the enemy is poised to come in like a flood. When the church is quiet about sin, and like I said, I'll relate this to the church, when when we don't preach and we don't teach and we don't direct and and, and share uh, what, what God allows and what God doesn't allow, what grieves the heart of God, when we don't direct Christians to righteousness and to to what God loves, the enemy can come in like a flood, but also when we don't guard our own hearts, right? When we don't guard our own hearts, when we don't preach to our own souls of what the commands of the Lord are, what what God desires for us to do. And when we begin to allow the sin to creep into the church and the sin to creep into our hearts, when we're unwilling to confront it, when we're unwilling to push back the darkness, This sets the stage for the enemy to come in like a flood. 
And so when we think of a flood, it is not something that is subtle. It is not slow. Some of the things I described there may be slow. Slowly the enemy begins to break down the walls of our hearts and of the church. Uh, he, he breaks apart our defenses so that he can, he can make an attack and come and, and lead as he led Israel captive, lead the Christian captive into sin. <clears throat> but when he comes in like a flood, it is not subtle. It is the gates of hell have broken open. The flood, uh, in, in, if many of us, maybe we've been by a river, and you can look down and go down to a river, and some of them can, be, can move quietly, uh, there, there might not be much force there. You can, you can sit in the river and wash in the river, fish in the river. Um, but then maybe there's some rains and the river begins to pick up. There's great force with water. And there's great force with the flood. We had a, a big flood, what, eight, ten years ago up in the canyon. And all of a sudden rushing water comes in. There's nothing that man can do to defend. It's, it almost overwhelms him. And this is what happens when the enemy comes in like a flood. So I'd like to hit on a, a couple specifics of what it looks like when the enemy comes in like a flood to the church at large or even just personally into our lives. Let's look at, at Job, right? This man, this godly man who honored God and God esteemed and even told Satan, have you, have you looked upon my servant Job, this righteous man? Well, what happened with his story? Within a day, all of a sudden, the enemy unleashed all the powers of hell against him. He lost his ox. Uh, it says that the fire of God came down from heaven and consumed his sheep. Uh, another nation came and destroyed and slayed his servants and took away his camels. And then in that same, same hour, uh, a great wind came out and destroyed the house of one of his children and all his children were in this home and they all perished. Then he came in like a flood. Maybe some of you have, have testified of different times or seasons when the enemy has come into your life like a flood. When it seems that, that everything has just gone into chaos and destruction. Or maybe we, we can look at times past in church history when the enemy has come in like a flood against the church against the redeemed of the living God. And one of the ways he does this is with oppressive governments. Just as he took Babylon, uh, used Babylon to take Israel captive uh, and lead them away from the promised land, lead them away from the tabernacle of God and, and, and their service in the tabernacle and, and, and a government set up with the laws of God to serve him and they lead him off into a strange land. Also, we see many times in church history where, where the enemy has come in like a flood against the church and he's used oppressive governments, right? We can look at in the last 150 years, uh, communist regimes, right? These, these forms of government, they're atheistic in their thinking. They don't, they don't believe in God. They don't allow God to be amongst their government and they shun it and they seek. The enemy uses this to, to silence and put out the church of God, to put out that light that the church is supposed to be to the world. I think of uh, just so many instances where governments have, have come in and 
slaughtered you know, millions of people where, where they've come, even last year here in America, where the government tried to use its heavy arm to shut down and silence the church, to silence the preaching of the truth, one of the means that God uses to build and establish his kingdom on earth. The, the enemy also, when he comes in like a flood, one of the things he goes for is the children. Children, as all of us know, they're so, their minds are forming. They're, they're easy to mold and to, to teach and to, to bring in a way. And that's why the Bible tells us parents that we should train up our children in the way they should go, right? That's why uh, the enemy goes after those children. I, I remember one time uh, I was studying um, salvation, when people come to the Lord. And the, the highest percentage, the vast majority, it's well over, it was around 50% or so, people come to Jesus when they're children. And that's because the mind is forming. That's because the mind is able to take and receive information and it can be guided easier. And so the enemy will come in like a flood and come after our children. I think he's doing this today, right? If we look upon what's being taught in our school systems, the, this push of this LGBT agenda, this, this push to sexualize our children at a young age, but it's not just there, right? He's coming like a flood, so it's not just educational, but also media, social media. He seeks to, to come into the house of all men, not just Christians, but all men. He seeks to come into the homes and begin to bring his propaganda and his teachings to lead captive the children and bring them astray that he, he would have them as his servants in his kingdom. He also, when he goes after the children, he looks to, to pervert the children, to, to bring them against their parents. Uh, this is one of the Ten Commandments, right? To honor your father and mother. But when the enemy begins to come in like a flood, he, he causes child to raise against parent. He causes his, the, the children to, to come against their their parents, and uh, we saw this in China. In China, uh, the government would um, exalt children if they ratted out their parents when they, uh, when they had thoughts um, that were against the government, when they were against what the government was doing, and, uh, <clears throat> and they would reward these children. So the enemy uses the children. He comes against the children. He may try to bring them into drug and alcohol, right? We've talked about different alcohol and drug epidemics of cultures at different times and societies. Well, when the enemy comes in like a flood, uh, Steve and I were talking uh, before the service about fishing. And uh, when you fish, you throw out your, your, your line and you got a bait at the end and a hook at the end. And when that, when that fish bites that hook, Wherever that line brings him, you know, that hook's in his mouth and he's going to go. Wherever that line tells him to go. And that's how drugs and alcohol are. They're, they're like this hook. This bait is thrown out and it hooks onto the flesh. And wherever that, that, that addiction would want to bring him, uh, they're in bondage to it. They're in submission to it. And so the enemy tries to get at our, our children's minds and hearts, perverting them at a young age. Because in a, a godly nation, in a godly home, the children are instructed at an early age. They're brought up in the ways of the Lord. And then those kids are blessed. Those kids, uh, they have a higher um, percentage to come to the Lord because they know his ways. 
Their minds have been formed in the ways of God. They have been taught the truths of the word. And so, I want to ask, has the enemy come in like a flood in, in our lives, in your life? Maybe differently, but I think at, at large here in our culture, the enemy has come in like a flood. Uh, when, when all different sectors of society seem to become dark, when all areas, whether it's the political area, the laws of the land begin to be written against the laws of God. We see abortion. We see laws for homosexuality. We see laws that, that hinder the church from doing their work. Um, I've heard of pastors who've been you know, arrested or fined because they go out to feed the homeless in cities, but it's illegal to do that. You know, If you don't have your permit or if you haven't uh, you know, gotten certain um, approval from different governments, so the government will write laws politically, or maybe it's in sports. I see that today, the sports, I mean, we, who's exalted? Who are the ones that many of the children or many of the people look at in this culture? They're athletes, and they're immoral athletes. They're, they're these idols that our culture has begun to form and, and even worshiped, and our minds have gotten consumed with them. Maybe it's investing in business. Uh, when... when when investing in business becomes a, a desire for covetous and gain that never ends, when the, when the soul cries out, it's not enough, I need more, I need to build another barn and store up my goods, you know, the enemy has come in like a flood. He uses entertainment. The, the movies and the, the films that a culture can watch. And think about our culture, what comes out from Hollywood and the, the shows that are on television and finally fashion. You know, I thought about what is some of the push in our fashion today. It's, it's that men would dress as women and women as men. Such confusion and, and sensuality. And I see this in our culture today. And I believe that we can say that the enemy has come in like a flood in our society. And so what does the scripture say when the enemy comes in like a flood? That the spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And so the next question is, what is that standard that the Spirit of the Lord seeks to lift up, desires to lift up, and will lift up? First, I'd, I'd like to define a standard. Um, often I think of, in, a, in our culture, I think of a certain standard, maybe a military physical standard. Um, it's, it's the baseline of what may be done. Um, but the standard also um, in the King James Bible was translated banner or ensign. It's a flag, you know, so a standard that's lifted up. We, we can say a flag that's lifted up. So that text can read, when the enemy comes in like, the, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a flag against him. And so what are flags used for? Uh, we still use flags today in battle. We still use flags today for many different reasons. Um, but when flags were first brought onto the battlefield, um, I'd like to talk about a couple different ways that they're used, a couple different purposes that they have. Uh, one of the main ones were for direction of the troops. Where are the troops heading? Where are they going in this battle as two armies would come together? They both would have their flag bearers. And did you know that those that, that carried the flag, uh, they usually would have a couple others in case one of them died in battle that would run with them 
in case they died, they would pick up the flag, but they were known as the most courageous, the most courageous on the battlefield, and that's because they ran into battle with just the flag, but they weren't armed. Many of the times they had no weapons of war, but they, they ran into the front lines. And so as two armies would come together and begin to battle, those that held the flag, if they weren't courageous, and if they dropped that banner, or maybe they ran with the banner the other way, the hearts of the soldiers behind them would think, oh, we're in a retreat. The enemy has overtaken us. You know, we, their hearts also would fear. Their hearts also would grow faint. And it would bring great chaos and confusion in the midst of the battle. Uh, a flag's also described as uh, something so we know what territory has been gained, right? Um, if if uh, uh, an army overtakes an area, it will drop the enemy flag and it will raise up their, their standard, it will raise up their flag. So it distinguishes territory. It's a way of communication. Who are you with? You know, what side are you on? Depends on what flag you're, fla uh, you're flying. Uh, it displays allegiance. Um, and I'd like to go over a couple scriptures real quick. So we'll flip over to Psalm 60, verse 4. I'd like to look at a couple scriptures of how the Bible talks about this, this standard or banner or ensign that he lifts up. So Psalm 60, verse 4. It says, Thou hast given a banner to them that fear thee, that it may be displayed because of thy truth, say law. So I ask you do, you, do you fear the Lord? Because if so, God has given you a banner, it says. God has given you a standard. Let's flip over to Isaiah. Chapter 11 and verse, uh, verse 10 and 12. So Isaiah 11, verse 10 and 12. And it says, In that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. So ensign, as I said, is another word for banner. It's another word for standard. To it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand, he'll set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. So I, I think it's interesting here that God says he'll set up this ensign or this standard. He'll lift it up and it will gather people from all around the world, from the islands and different nations to come under that standard. And let's go to Exodus 17. Exodus 17, verse 15 and 16. Here, this is right after Joshua fights the battle um, where Moses is lifting up the rod, right? He's lifting up his hands. He has the rod in his hand. And whenever the rod is lifted up above Moses' head, Joshua and Israel is prevailing in war. Joshua and Israel is overcoming uh, Amalek. 
and then his arms begin to get tired and fall down, and then Amalek overcomes, and, and his army begins to beat Israel. And so Aaron and Hur hold up um, Moses' hands, and at the end of the day, Joshua and Israel are victorious in battle. Um, but then Moses, here at the end of the chapter, in verse 15, says, And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And so if we look at this word Jehovah Nisi, means the Lord our God, or the Lord is my banner. The Lord is our banner. The Lord is our standard. And the last scripture before we continue on I'd like to look at is in the New Testament in the Gospel of John. And uh, what's it? John twelve thirty two. And here, this is Jesus speaking. It says in John twelve thirty two, and I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men onto me. So I'd like to to say that the standard that must be lifted up when the enemy comes in like a flood is Jesus Christ. He says, if I be lifted up, if I be lifted up above all things, then, then the nations will come into me. The islands and the, the different people, they'll assemble. The people of God will gather under that banner of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the standard. He is the one that, that must be lifted up. And so when we look at Christ and we say, well, what, what's the standard of Christ? When, when, when we, we lift him up, well, let's look at his nature and his character, who he is. This eternal God, this God of all wisdom and justice and filled with love. You know, that's the standard of who Christ, that's who Christ is. If we look at his life, uh, uh, a man uh, who took on flesh, a God who took on flesh, the one true God who came and dwelt among men, he humbled himself. The character and nature of God, he's one of humility, and he walks and he serves man. We see he, he had no place to lay his head as he walked amongst us here on earth, and he was constantly giving of his life. The standard of Christ lifted up must be his atonement and his resurrection, for he came to, to set the captives free, to give gifts unto men, to show that he had power over this enemy that would come in like a flood. To put his feet over on over the enemy. And so his atonement must be lifted up and explained that there's forgiveness of sins because of what Jesus Christ has done. That there's power in him because he rose from the, de the dead. He didn't stay in the grave. But the, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, the Bible says, they raised him up from the dead. And it also must be declared and explained that this standard is the Holy Spirit that God had given, this gift of the Father which now dwells in His, his believers, in His followers, that gives them power to come against the enemy. And so, the last question, how is the standard lifted up? I'd like to just hit on this practically. What does this look like in our life when we see either individually the enemy coming in our life like a flood... What, what ought we to do? Or when we see the enemy coming in like a flood against our, our culture and our society, 
What's our responsibility and how do we go forth to lift up Jesus Christ, this banner over the church? Well, surely repentance must be the, the first because to, to lift up a standard implies that the standard was brought down, that the standard wasn't lifted up in the first place. And so there must be repentance. There must be a, a, a turning away, uh, uh, both a repentance of sins that we've committed, whether it's lying or stealing or uh, speaking evil, loose tongue, or whether it's sins of omission, omitting our devotion to Christ, omitting uh, prayer with a sincere heart of love, omitting uh, the study of God's Word and digging into His Word. So both sins that we've committed and omitted that we must repent and turn away from, and then holiness will begin to increase in the church. So holiness must be exalted. I don't know if anybody's ever read or looked into the life of Reese Howes, but he's got an amazing life. And uh, God begins to work this standard of holiness and bring him into deeper and deeper depths of holiness. And so when, when the enemy comes in like a flood and we lift this standard up, God will always work a deeper holiness in his church. He'll work a deeper holiness in you. And so, so often and many times we can look and we can say, well, that's just legalistic. Some of the things that Reese Howe did, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing how God got a control of his appetite. He said, you know what? Let me teach you how to eat as my son ate, as Jesus walked this earth. And, and sometimes it can be done in a legalistic manner, right? But when the Holy Spirit leads, just as it led Jesus into the wilderness, Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to fast and to pray and there to seek God. He also will lead us individually to seasons of, of uh, fasting and praying, seasons of uh, things we might once have looked at and done where they may need to be put aside for a season that we may seek the Lord. Also, when this, this standard is lifted up, a practical way is the church comes together. When we see the enemy like a flood and bringing all sorts of destruction, we know that God is lifting up a standard when the church comes together to pray. It is one of the weapons that God has given us, is the weapon of prayer. It's a spiritual weapon, and without it, we, can't, we won't take ground. The church will not continue to prevail but God always begins to move on the hearts of his, his church and individuals and individually will bring them into seasons of prayer, deep seasons of seeking the Lord, building their faith, uh, but he'll also bring the church together. He'll bring the church together that, that they would meet one with another, that their hearts would be poured out because their hearts have been made like the hearts of God. It is God's will has become their will. And they cry out for that will to be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so God begins to bring the church together to pray. And then the testimony of Jesus is upon the lips. When, when we see the standard beginning to lift up, the church of God begins to declare the truth of the gospel. The church of God begins to declare the testimony of what Christ has done in their lives and what Christ can do in others' lives. See, if Satan's kingdom is a kingdom built on deception and built on lies, then one way to tear that kingdom down is to establish truth and declare truth. Truth will unravel that foundation, and that foundation will become, the whole building will come down crashing. 
And so God uses the proclamation of his gospel, the proclamation of truth to bring that down. Also, unity then is sought in the church. Not Not do we just come and pray together, but so often in times past when God brought revival to the churches, when God moved mightily amongst men, churches in different areas, separate churches, they'd come together. They'd come together uh, and, and not in compromise. We don't want to compromise the truth. You know, we can't compromise with, with pastors and other Christians. We should, you know, in love, debate with them and stand and tell them, you know, what the truth is. But when the church begins to come together and say, you know what, we will labor in prayer one with another. We'll labor for the souls of men one with another. We're going to labor for the kingdom of God to be established on the earth and to push back the Satan and his, his kingdom. That's how we know the standards being lifted up. That's how you can practically go forth and begin to lift up the standard of Christ. And then finally, the standard... We see it begin to be lifted up in our lives when we live a life of sacrifice and selflessness. This is the way of our Lord. This is the way of Christ. He is the standard. He is the example for us. And he was one who gave his life, gave great riches and authority and and humbled himself as a man and and became a, a servant. He walked among us and served man and taught man. And so when God begins to work this sacrificial life in us. As John the Baptist, he said, he said, I must decrease that Christ would increase. You know, let that be our thought. Let that, that mind of Christ be in us. You know, that, that, that mind that's in Christ, let that also be in us. That mind of, let me serve others. Let me, let me lay down my life. Let me go to the ends of the earth. I think of this, example of uh, the Moravians. They were a missions organization and uh, there was two young Moravian men that heard that uh, this is a time during the slave trade and they heard of these islands and in the islands uh, there were slave owners who had declared that that there would never be a Christian presence on these islands, uh, that that there'd be no ministers or missionaries that would ever come to preach to them or their slaves. Uh, they didn't want their slaves to become Christians. And so it was a totally closed off. There was no way that the gospel was going to get in there. But there was a way. There was a way of sacrifice, of laying down one's life. And so these two men heard this, and they heard the call of God. And uh, they ended up selling themselves into slavery, that they may go to this island and preach the gospel to the slaves there that they may go and preach to these, these slave owners. It was the only way that they could get in there. And uh, as, as this missions organization is sending them off, and they're on a boat, and they've sold themselves into slavery, they're heading off to the islands, one of them stands up and he, and he says, uh, may the lamb who was slain receive the reward of his suffering. That's a life of sacrifice. They gave up their lives but the fullness of Christ in their hearts. The, the, the miracles they must have seen of what God did in those islands. That's a sacrificial life. And when God begins to raise that standard up in our lives, that life of sacrifice 
is evident and seen and it becomes deeper and deeper. I'll just finish here. I'll conclude uh, with a couple remarks. I, I hope I've uh, maybe convinced you today that our, our culture, our society, uh, that the enemy surely has come in like a flood. If you begin to ponder about all the darkness and wickedness that has infiltrated our society, uh, many have lost hope, and it seems like there's no way to go. It's a flood coming after us. Maybe in your life you can testify. I don't know what some of you are going through. Um, we all go through trials, but there's, there, you know, people sometimes will go through great trials. It seems like everything hits them at once. The enemy is coming like a flood. I'd like to tell you that, that if we look at that scripture, there's a promise in that scripture. Whenever there's a promise in scripture, I, I always highlight it with purple. Um, because God promises me something in there. And God promises you something in there. And so that's something that we can take to him in prayer. That's something that we can hold before him and say, God, you are not a man that you should lie. But this is your truth. And you, you've said it, so you will do it. It says, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the promise is that the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. And so it becomes the Christian's duty then when we see that there's a promise there, when we see that there's a flood that's, that's going on in our lives or around us, then that we take that promise in prayer and that we begin to labor, begin to labor that the standard of Christ be lifted up in this generation, that the standard of Christ be lifted up in our homes and in our churches, around us in our jobs, that we lift up that standard and just as... Uh, what was the scripture where, where God said he'd lift up his banner and all the nations would gather around it. When we begin to lift that banner of Christ up, the church will gather around it. When you lift it up, those around you will gather around it. Christians from, from different places in and outside of the church here will gather around Christ under that banner and they will go forth and fight. It's the duty of us as Christians to come against this, this kingdom of darkness, this kingdom of Satan to push back the lies and deceptions that he has sown, to push back the wickedness that, that he's doing in this life. And so maybe some of you have uh, even felt this in your hearts recently. Maybe God's begun to lift up a standard. I know this has been something that's been in my heart recently. God, lift that standard up in my life. Let Christ be exalted push back the darkness. And so I encourage you and I call upon you guys today to lift that standard up and push back the darknesses, the darkness that the enemy has brought in. Let's pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, God, we thank you that, that when the enemy does come in, God, like a flood that you do raise up a standard against him. This is a truth and a promise that you have given, God. We thank you that that standard is the standard of Jesus, of righteousness and love and justice, holiness and joy and peace, oh God. We thank you for that, Lord. And God, as, as the world seems so dark in this time, we call on you, O oh God, where our hope comes from, O oh Lord. We, 
We ask for you to lift that standard up in this generation, Father. We ask for you to push back the forces of darkness, God. Oh, God, that the pits that the enemy has dug for the righteous to fall in, that they would fall in their own pit, oh, Father God. Oh, Lord, raise up a standard. Bring forth, oh, God, many that are stuck and in bondage to the the kingdom of darkness, that you would bring them onto your side, that you would bring forth salvation and revival, oh, God, in a lost and dying world, Lord, and that you would gather the nations, oh, Father God, under your banner, Lord. Oh, Lord, for, for those in this room and uh, that we may know, Lord God, that, that are going through difficult times uh, as Job, oh, Lord God. May they be comforted. May they know, God, that you, oh, Lord, are, are working and lifting up a standard, oh, Father, against what the enemy has done, oh, God. Build faith within your church in this day, oh, Father, God. Build our faith, oh, Father. Teach our hands to make war. Teach our hands, O oh God, to labor and to build your kingdom and that our prayer would be that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven, O oh Father God. So give great courage, Lord. Give courage to us, O oh Father, that we would be able to stand against all works of the enemy, O oh Father God. Give boldness, O oh Father God. Give victory over sin, O oh Lord. We look to Jesus now, the author and finisher of our faith, Strengthen us, O God, that we would have victory. Strengthen us, O Father, that we would be able to uh, go forth, Lord, building your kingdom, being co-laborers with Christ, O God. We bless your name, O God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Matthew, for sharing the word with us this morning. You know, when, when you started out, it uh, really sounded kind of bleak and depressing there for a bit, talking about how the enemy comes in like a flood, and, and it's true, we, we see it all around us, but the progression to me was, was beautiful and how the Lord lifts up that standard and he's done that he's done that time and time again throughout the history of the church and he will continue to do that and he gives us the opportunity to be those that will raise up that standard he gives us each one of us that opportunity the lord will never allow his church to be defeated by that flood. You will always raise up a standard. There were times in history where there was a lot more darkness, probably in a way even more so than, than today. You look back in the uh, early church, go back into the 1300s or so in what we now term as the Dark Ages where the real church was throughout all of society was totally underground. There was nothing really alive and vibrant at all, so it seemed. But yet the Lord 
raised up the standard. You, you see, you get into the, the 1500s and largely starting with uh, Martin Luther and then some of the other reformers and how the Lord lifted up his name and lifted up his church and how the world was changed dramatically through those people who were willing to be a part of raising the standard. And God gives each one of us that opportunity in amidst the darkness that we see about us today. So don't, don't be discouraged by the darkness that you see around you. Think of it as an opportunity to be used by the Lord to raise up that standard. Thank you so much, Matthew, for preaching the word of God and preaching the truth. It was a blessing. I'll open, up, open it up a little bit. If uh, the Lord has spoken to you this morning and you want to uh, share anything or just anything that the Lord has been showing you this week, if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray with you. I'll give you a few minutes here if, if anyone has anything to share. Just raise your hand or start talking. The Lord can bring back a uh, pickup truck. He can heal your back too, right? Amen. Thank you, Father, for our brother and for how you have worked in his life and how you have shown yourself real to him just this week. And, Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness in bringing his pickup back. And, and now we lift to you his uh, physical body and, and the problem he's been having with his back. I pray, Father, that you would touch and heal him. And even more than that, Father, that you would pour out your grace and your spirit on his life, that that would become more real in his life each and every day, and that your power would be on his life. I thank you for my brother in Jesus. Anyone else? had a lot to digest here this morning and it looks like you're all digesting it yet. <laughs> Let's begin prayer for uh, those that aren't here today. I mentioned there's a few that are not feeling well. And Carrie's traveling, Jason's traveling. Especially continue to remember Jason in your prayers as he continues to uh, walk through these stages of his life and learning how to continue to follow the Lord in difficulty. Just continue to lift him up in prayer.
As we, as we grow, uh, we may arrive, as it were, in, in one area, but God will continue to show us where the bar is higher. It's going to continue all our, uh, our entire life, at least if we accept that uh, training that the Lord wants to give us. But, you know, it's, it's his blessing that he doesn't show us everything that we need to change and mature in all at once. It would, it would be pretty hopeless. But he's a faithful shepherd and leads us step by step as long as we're willing to faithfully follow. He's not going to show us steps three, four, five, and six if we're not taking one and two. to welcome Heidi. Sorry to put you on the spot, but just had to do it. Uh, many of you may not know Heidi, but uh, she was over in the UK for how long? Three and a half months. Uh, studying over there, and she came back last week, and the Lord really answered prayer, right? Just gave her, a, a, you know, saved her from COVID and gave her a clear test and gave her mercies in coming back to her family. And, and uh, so we just want to welcome you. Let's welcome you. Let's also pray for her as she continues her, her studies and her uh, following the Lord here, uh, wherever the Lord leads you. And also, uh, on this coming Wednesday night, just a reminder, at 6.30, for anyone who wants to join us, um, Brother Dwayne, uh, who's our neighbor down here, and he, he collects old farm old tractors. 
and he gets them up and running. It's a hobby thing that he does. And he has some wagons um, that he often takes kids on wagon rides, uh, wagon rides around the neighborhood. And we would like to do this Wednesday, he would like to uh, invite anyone who wants to to join him to go Christmas caroling. And he's going to have a couple tractors or at least one or more, whoever, however many people come. And we'll all bundle up and go on the wagon. And he has some points of some seniors and other places that he's going to take us around. And we'll just make a joyful noise to the Lord and sing songs. And then afterward, we'll all come back here and we'll have some coffee and tea, hot drinks and snacks and, and good fellowship. So you're all welcome to do that, to join us on that. If you would like to, though, please let Katie know, RSVP with Katie. If you need her number, let me know, or, or Katie, um, because Dwayne would like a count, uh, at least a rough count, to know how many tractors and wagons he needs to prepare to, to do this thing on Wednesday night. So that's this coming Wednesday evening at 6.30. Thank you, Phil. Um, sure if we have any other announcements, there's not a whole lot else going on as a group over the holidays here, so um, we're glad you're all here this morning and uh, joining in our time of worship and learning and listening. We do have a meal prepared, as usual, so I know it smells good in the kitchen. I expect it'll taste equally as good, so please stay and enjoy this time with us. It is an important time of our fellowship one with another and uh, we continue to uh, grow in our fellowship around God's word and, and these times together are, are precious, our, our visiting times together. So please stay and enjoy that with us and that will be ready shortly. I think that's all I have for announcements, uh, if you're able to, please stand and we'll have a dismissing prayer and a blessing on our new meal. Father, I thank you for this time here this morning. I thank you for speaking to us through your word, through the songs, through our testimonies. Father, you have been faithful. And I pray now that you would fill us with your spirit, that as we go forth from here, that we would be faithful in raising up that standard that we heard so much about this morning. Your standard, Father, because it's all about you. And I pray that our lives would point all men to you in this wicked generation that we live in. That we would be lights that shine brightly for you. I pray, Father, a blessing on our time of fellowship here this afternoon and on the meal. I pray that you would Bless those that have faithfully prepared this meal and that you would give us strength and nourishment and that your will would be done in each one of our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.